Welcome back to Navigating Motherhood. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Brooklyn Howard. Say hey, girl. Hey. And today, she's just going to share, she has two wonderful kiddos, so she's just going to share her birth stories with all of you. I always just feel like hearing other people's birth stories just help you like navigate your own, like help you get through things and just prepare for like, you know, birth literally. So Brooklyn, if you want to just share just a little things about you and whatever you want to share, just go okay. ahead. So my name is Brooklyn. I have two babies, like Cadison said. Um, my first born is Josephina Lynn Howard. That's her full name. Uh, we call her Josie for short. She will be four at the end of August, so she's getting big. She'll start school this fall. I know. We realized she was four. Almost, yep. (laughs) And then my youngest is Maverick Douglas Howard, and he was born during COVID, so very different experience there. And he is two and a half, so he will turn three the next February. So good ages, really close together, right? Oh yeah. That was a whole experience in and of itself. 10 out of 10 do not recommend unless that's like your life plan. But, um, that was definitely a struggle on my part. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to hear like about that. So we'll just start with, let's just start with little Miss Josie. So, just was she planned was she not like just start from the beginning okay so my husband and I had been married for about two and a half years when we decided we wanted well two years when we decided we wanted to stop using protection um right around our two-year wedding anniversary and then um about four to five months later so our wedding anniversary is in August and it was actually New Year's Eve I had tested quite a few times between like our anniversary and New Year's Eve. And obviously they had all been negative, but um, on New Year's Eve. Oh. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> Listen to Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. You just keep going. I'm going to mute myself for a second. Okay. Um, so on New Year's Eve, I just felt really weird. And, um, we were going to be going over to my mom's house and having a few drinks. And so I decided to take a test and it was positive. So I didn't want anyone to know yet because I wanted to, it was my first baby. So I wanted to be able to tell everyone in kind of a cute way. So I just pretended and got through the night. And then about eight weeks later, we kept the secret for a long time with Josie. And eight weeks later, we um, told all of our family. So she was planned. Um, not necessarily for that night, but she was planned just whenever right. she decided to come. And that's basically Josie in a nuts, nutshell. Whenever she decides to do things is when she's coming. So. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, <laughs> did you say, so you found out on New Year's Eve night. So like, were you yeah. like pouring your drink out and like filling it up with water or? Yeah, like- so we were drink of choice is like a rum and a mixer like Sprite or something so Ryan was making me rum and Sprite but it was really just Sprite and <sighs> then I just had to pretend and act like goofy and whatever <laughs> so like, my, oh mom, my, 
my mom's best friend is a nurse. She's a school nurse here in town. And she actually knew. And then like a couple weeks later, we got together, like all the girls. And she kept saying that I was pregnant and being like, let me take a drink from your cup. And I was like, no. So I had to pull her aside. She was actually like the first person other than Ryan to know because I had to pull her aside and be like, I have a plan of how I want to tell my mom and this is not the plan. So you need to stop. Like, and like Was she just joking and it actually was real? She, do you think she knew? Of, kind of joking. But then because she was a nurse, she just kind of knew. And yeah. I was super sick with Josie. And so some of that was already starting to kick in. And I think she could just tell. So. Yeah. Aw. Okay. So how was your pregnancy? Because you just said you were, like, sick. So, like, were you sick the whole time or just the beginning? Um, I was sick up until about 22 weeks with Jimmy. Yeah, it was rough. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I actually lost, in the first trimester, I lost 25 pounds. Um, The only two things I could, well, eat and then drink was the thin Lay's potato chips and ice water. Cold, cold. I remember we just had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how personal you want to get, but I had to do things that I never thought I would have to do, like even just in my pregnancy before I even had my first child. Girl, um, if you wanna if you wanna say it, you say it. So they had me on Zofran for nausea to try to help because I was at the point where like I couldn't go to work because I couldn't get out of my bed and I was missing so much work because I was so sick. I couldn't stand up without puking. So um, and I was a teacher at a special education school at that time. So there was no possible way for me to go to work. So I ended up one of the days that was really bad. um, My doctor called me in an enema. And I had to give myself this enema, like, suppository thing and lay flat in my bed for six hours. And it was wow. just like, I never thought I would do this. Were you not but, pooping? Um, no. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Because I wasn't, like, eating enough, like, right. my body. It was just awful. There were so many nights that... Like, I would just cry and cry, and I would try to cook Ryan stuff for when he got home from work, and I'd just be like, I don't want to eat any of this. And he's like, it's okay. You don't have to cook it. Like, it's all right. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Hey, made- I had to do the enema thing after birth because uh, I wasn't pooping because I was on, like, I guess maybe the ibuprofen that I was taking. Yeah. Mess- yeah. Or, I mean, obviously, the first poop is also scary. Apparently, like, I don't know why everyone talks that it's scary, and I think maybe I psyched myself out a little bit, but yeah, me and my sister got real close because uh, she's the one that helped me out with that. Oh, god, thanks, thanks for a twin sister. Let me just say, because I don't think I would let my little sister do it. I did it to myself because no one was, I don't know me. how you did that. I, I could not. I, there was a light at the end of the tunnel and I just had to get there somehow. So I just made a way. Oh my gosh. Oh, really? So like, basically you couldn't really eat anything the first half. So the second half, did you finally get cravings or what? Like, um, Sonic cherry limeade. So I was working at the Y at that point in child watch and I would go during their happy hour and get the jumbo, um, popcorn chicken and a cherry limeade and then I would go sit in child watch and hold all the babies. Yum. 
Hey, you know what? That's a good craving to have. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So there was there was a solid like maybe 10 weeks there where I was doing good. And then is when the blood pressure and preeclampsia kicked yeah. in. So yeah. Okay. So you had preeclampsia and that's preeclampsia is just give us the definition. Like. Um, so for me, cause I know a lot of people like they hear preeclampsia and preeclampsia can get really bad, really fast. So that's why it's so scary. So my blood pressure was really high. Like, I don't know, in the one fifties over high nineties. And so it wasn't high enough for them to induce me because I was at this point, like 34 weeks. And so they were like, we're close, but we're not close enough kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was having headaches, dizziness, seeing spots, like all of the things. So again, wasn't able to go to work. They actually put me on maternity leave like six weeks early um, from when I gave birth. Um, and I had protein in my urine. And so that was when they were really watching me. I had to go in for blood draws and urine samples three times a week. And they took my blood pressure there. I had to yeah. take my blood pressure at home three times a day. And then every time I went in for a blood pressure check and the blood draws and everything, um, I had to turn in my blood pressure logs that I was taking at home. So I was basically like on watch. Um, I did yeah. make it <laughs> to 39 weeks. There were a couple scares oh. in there where I went to um, like get checked out and was monitored for like a couple hours or whatever. But they were always able to get my blood pressure down. So they we uh, made it to 39 weeks because I delivered here at Sarah Bush. So um, they don't have a NICU. So that's why they really wanted me to get to that 39 weeks mark. So, but I was huge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was so swollen from everything and the high blood pressure. And my mom <laughs> said, looking back, like she would. <laughs> She was telling people, I thought that baby was just going to fall out. Like, I was so low and so huge and just, oh, like. we lost you. Oh. Can you oh. hear me now? Yes. Okay. We heard, I think that baby's going to. Fall out. Fall out. Yes. Because I was just oh, so, so low. But, again. Uh, we that's one thing, like, cousin of mine just had a baby and was airlifted baby was airlifted and everything from Sarah Bush because they don't have a NICU they're not mm -hmm. a trauma hospital mm -hmm. and so like it's kind of like you really want to think where you have your baby just just in case like you know what I mean right. Right. like I it would have been beneficial not you made it to 39 weeks so your babies were baby I don't was fine but like you know, you just, if you are, like, a high-risk pregnancy, like, in, in your mid-term your mid uh, term with your pregnancy, and they tell you you're high-risk, like, that's enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going somewhere else, just because, like, you just don't know. Right. And then you might be separated from your baby for who knows how long. Right. And it's like, I know you want to get comfortable with the doctor that you're going to be giving birth with, but at the same time, it's like, if you are a high-risk pregnancy... You might consider going somewhere that has a NICU. Right. 
I do think though, because sometimes people have asked like if I wish I would have done that when I found out I had preeclampsia. But then at the same time, being an hour away when I'm going three times a week for blood pressure and blood draws, yeah, like that's that would have been insane. So it's just good hard like, to know what the best answer is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and luckily, that's true. in my case, it all worked out fine. Thank God. But yeah. Well, I feel like you were so close though, too. Like you weren't, you didn't find out that you were like going to be high risk until you were 34 weeks. Like that's right. pretty close to right. induction. So, and we were in a place where, and I also know that not everybody can, I know my doctors were putting me on maternity leave, but not everybody can sustain yeah. that um, for that length of time. And luckily I was in a position where I could do that. So, you know, I was able to stay home and rest and just do like some low key walking around the block. Like that was pretty much the only thing. My one goal every day was to walk around the block and that was it. Um, That's so so great that you were able to monitor your own blood pressure and get it down to get your baby to at least 39, which is great. Right, right. But again, I know not everybody would be able to do that had to work and all those things i mean that would be a different story so absolutely okay so let's get to the so you delivered her at 39 weeks did they induce you or did you go naturally they induced me because of the blood pressure um so i went in like at like five o'clock at night the night before they actually like broke my water or anything so the night before they just gave me i think it was called Cervidil or something like close yeah, to that. Cervidil. Yeah. Yeah. So they insert that and try to soften soften your cervix or whatever. And you're just like killing. Yeah. Um, and at that point I could still eat, thank God, because her labor ended up being like, I don't know, 36 hours or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they still let me eat. So we ordered dinner, whatever. My mom and Ryan were there with me. And we were hanging out. Of course, I couldn't sleep because I was just, like, so jacked up on the baby. Well, like, a few hours in of having the Cervidil, because I was going to have it for 12 hours, um, I, like, start feeling burning all of a sudden. And so I, like, page the nurse. And she's like, yeah, it, like, slid out. So now all the medicine is, like, going on the outside, basically, of your vagina. And was, like... I don't know. It was giving me a very weird burning. Like I have to pee and also everything's on fire like sensation. So, (laughs) so then she had to like clean me up and everything. And then she was like, well, I'm going to reinsert. And so we did that for all for a second time. So I actually didn't end up having the Cervidil for like the full 12 hours because of, I don't even know how long it wasn't in the right place, (laughs) but I don't get how it can just (laughs) fall out. So I guess I should preface by saying, like, before we get too much further in, that I have an extra vertebrae at the base of my spine. So I have an L6 lumbar vertebrae. And so my entire pelvis tilts forward and my uterus sits like in a weird place because of the way that my pelvis and my tailbone and all of that is situated in my back, which my doctors knew that the nurses, I mean, I don't. No. So part of me always wonders, like, if it wasn't in the right place because my stuff's not in the right place. You know, like, my internal right. organs are not in the right place. 
Right. So hopefully that's something that would be in your report, though. Like, hopefully that's something that would be, like, I feel like that's kind of important, but. You would think. Anyway. So fast forward to the next morning. I did sleep for a little bit. Um, They came in at, like, 7 or whatever, and they started the Pitocin to try to see if my water would break naturally. Um, I was on that for, I think, I don't know, it's been four years. So um, I think like two or three hours and my water didn't break and I was still only at like a two, two and a half because again, it was first baby. So they um, broke my water at that point. um, And I just remember, so they break my water and I'm like, oh, they said brush a fluid. Like that wasn't really that much fluid. And even the nurse was like, yeah, that wasn't that much. That's kind of weird. And a little while later, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom. So I stood up and all of my waters like came out all at once, all over the floor. And my nurse was still in there. And I just looked at her and I'm like, what do you want me to do? She's like, just stand there, open your legs and let it come out. Like, I'll clean it all up when you're done because I don't know what else. Luckily, Ryan had stepped out because this was pre-COVID. So he stepped out to like get a breakfast sandwich or something. And my mom's just in there dying laughing because I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is coming out of me? I was like, my water, I'd already broken, you thought. So I thought, nope, there it was. So, oh my gosh. Was um, it a lot? Oh, yeah. Like, they had to come in and mop underneath the bed. Like, it was, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. And the whole time, I'm like, if you know me in person, you know, I'm like so modest and I'm so private about like things like that. I mean, with people that I'm close to, I open up, but like to go into a doctor's office, like anything like that. And it was first baby. So I was like mortified of anything like bodily fluids or getting checked or anything like that. And so for that all to happen, I was just like, Oh my God. I'm like, do you want me to help you clean it up? She's the nurse is like, no, this is literally my job. Please don't. (laughs) Please do not help me. You're in labor. I will say I had the best day shift and night shift nurses with Josie. Like compared to Mav, I had just the best. I had the same night nurse the first night that did my Cervidil. And then I like wasn't super impressed with her, obviously, because of the Cervidil. But the second night when I ended up delivering, I was like, okay, she was meant for me. Like we just when I started going through intense labor, she really kicked it into gear. And I was like, okay, this is the girl I needed. Like she, yeah. and my day nurse was just, she was awesome too. So I had the best nurses with Josie's delivery. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I would say like, it's that, that nurse change is hard. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like I had a nurse change when I was literally in active labor. Like, like I was literally in so much pain. And I remember she'd be like, hi, name is i'm like i don't care what your name is no i didn't say that <laughs> yeah, i wanted nope. to say that like yeah it's like great can you just do what she's doing thanks because she yeah. was like the other nurse was putting pressure on my back and everything and she was the sweetest thing and i was like not having her i was like not having her at all I feel so bad after i gave birth i'm pretty sure i apologized and she goes oh you were great. You were kind. Yeah. Moms that were not kind and that they should have no reason to be kind because they're pushing out a bowling ball. Anyway. Exactly. I'm sure they've had much worse. Much. Yeah. So did the Pitocin, like, were you in pain with the Pitocin? So I thought I was in pain with the Pitocin. I was 
on with Josie's, but then I was on like some next level stuff with Maverick. Let me tell you what, because they hit that Pitocin. I was like, I've never felt how I felt the second time around. Well, so you're on like low dose. Yeah, that's what I think too. And I also think that they were so much more concerned with my blood pressure. And this sounds terrible, but the doctor kept like every time he would come in, there was at one point they thought I was sleeping. I had done the pain shot that like is supposed to, they don't, I don't think they don't do it anymore or they weren't doing it during COVID. They have an IV one, but they don't, no, I don't. Well, I didn't know if you just get a shot. Yeah, at that point, um, I had a shot, and she said, the nurse said, this is going to make you feel like you've had three or four cocktails in the next, like, five minutes. And I was like, sounds great. And Ryan actually has some home video clips of me, like, right when it kicks in, and I'm like, woo, party! And then, like, maybe two minutes later, I'm passed out in the bed. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So I slept for like two hours. And then I, when I was kind of waking up, the doctor was in there talking to my mom and Ryan, basically saying like to try to get some rest because he was pretty sure I was going to be a middle of the night C-section because of my blood pressure. And I was stuck at a five for, I don't know how many hours it actually was to me. It felt like probably days, but um, I'm sure it was just a couple hours, but I was just like, she kept checking me and I was like, if it's a five, I'm going to lose my mind. She's like, I think it's a five and a half. And I'm like, I think you're lying to me, but you're just being kind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was basically like where we were at was every time they would come in, it was kind of like a, is her blood pressure, are her levels still stable enough to keep trying to do this naturally, or are we going to have to go to C-section? So, um, yeah, so that was like that for a while. And then it was about six or seven o'clock, and I was so tired. And I had wanted to deliver without the epidural because my mom did with both kids. And she was like, if you can get past active labor, like if you can get to active labor, you will be fine. Because she knew I could mind or matter it. But I was so tired from being at a five for so long. And I was still only at like maybe a six. And I was just like, I need rest. So I elected to get epidural is a great tool for you to rest. It really is. And help you dilate. Yeah. At this point, I had been at the hospital longer than 24 hours. So I had barely slept and I was just getting, getting tired. Um, And it was actually, and I don't know, I have never like looked it up, but it was actually kind of being encouraged as a way to like get me to progress. Cause they basically said that like, if I could relax and rest, then the baby might progress further if I wasn't like so stressed about it, basically. Yeah. So, um, I got the epidural. It was a terrible experience, um, with Josie's. She came in and I have nothing against, um, foreign doctors, but my anesthesiologist, um, spoke very limited and very broken English. And I was very anxious about it. Um, cause I don't do well with blood draws, needles, anything like that, and not being able to see it. So yeah. I just, 
was really struggling with all of that. And Ryan communicated that to her actually and was like, hey, can you tell her before you put the needle in or anything? Like if you're going to touch her with anything other than your hands because she's going to freak out and, you know, um, he's holding me from the front and I'm having these contractions and yada, yada. Hey, hey. for advocating for you. That's, that's yeah. great. So she instantly goes to touch me. And to me, it felt like a tool or something. She says it was her nail, but I jumped because she didn't say anything to me. She just like poked me with something in the back and I jumped and she started yelling at me. She was like, you can't do that because if I, if that was the needle, I could have hit something and yada, yada. And Brian was like, I told you to tell her before you touch her because she's going yeah. to be jumpy. She's anxious. And we've been here doing this for however long now. Right. So she, she finally like agrees to do that. She counts it down. She inserts the needle. She says, oh, wrong placement. Have to try again. And she pulls oh. the needle back out and she's like, we have to wait for a contraction again to insert. And at that point I was like, I need a minute. Like I can't, I was about to have a mental breakdown. Cause I was just like, I can't do this. And so when we take a minute, Anyway, she tries again. She finally gets it. I can still pretty much feel my legs and my feet. Like they even asked me if I wanted to try to stand, if I felt like I could stand up. And I was like, yeah, I feel like fine. Like it took the kind of dulled everything, but didn't completely numb me. And they were like, well, you know, we're not going to try again for placement. So this will be okay, basically. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I rest for 45 minutes. Ryan falls asleep on the couch. My mom's asleep in the chair. I wake up and my back is on fire. Like nothing I had ever felt before. I wanted to crawl out of that bed. I thought something was like coming through the bed. I don't know what I like was not rational at that point. So I was just like, what is happening? So I wake my mom up because I'm trying to be nice, you know, and none of us had really slept. So I'm like, don't wake Ryan yet. But I like call my mom over and I'm like, what is going on? My back is on fire. So she kind of sits me up and she looks and she's like, we need to call the nurse. Like what's going on? She's like, I think your um, epidural has moved. I'm like, okay. So basically the needle had come out just enough that it was shooting all of the medicine, the pain meds right underneath the top layer of my skin. And it was just going out through my skin instead of actually going into the tissue where it needed to go. And that was the sensation that I was feeling. That's terrifying. So so the nurse comes in right away and she starts calling anesthesiology. No one picks up for an hour. She's calling and calling and calling and she's checking me and I'm like screaming. The nurse finally, after like 30 minutes, she just takes it the rest of the way out because she's like, yeah. I have to do something with this. Like it's not, I can clearly see it's not in the right spot. And so she takes it out. She checked me when she came in there first and I was a seven. She takes the needle out. She keeps calling them. She's calling the doctors, everything. She checks me again at the like one hour mark of calling the anesthesiology team. And they're like, okay, we'll send your lady back up. And she checks me again and I'm a 10. And wow. she's like, "You're this baby's coming. And I'm like, 
I instantly was like, no, I don't have any kind of pain. Like, what What do you mean? Like, my epidural just came out and now you're telling me I have to have this baby? And she was like, yes. And my mom basically just had to get in my face and be like, this is not an option. Like, you need to get your right. together and we're having a baby. And I was like, come okay. on, mom. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, it's like 10 p.m. The anesthesiologist comes in and looks at my back. Tom's gets like this close to my face as I'm on the edge of the bed. They're like tearing my bed down for delivery. Gets so close to my face and is like, oh, so sorry. You're bad luck. I'm like, what? Excuse me? I, my mom must have known because she was like, I think you should leave the room. My mom's like, I'm so surprised you didn't punch that lady for getting so close what to you. What the heck? Your Is this woman heart. still there? No. She's not. Okay. Good. So. Because that's dumb. Yeah. I remember you telling me this story back whenever you first had Josie. And I, from that, that was, I mean, your story is the, one of the main, well, one of the reasons why I did not do epidural. One of the reasons. Other reasons, because I want to do naturally, pain-free. And I had the option, like, I was lucky to have the option of labor progressing that I didn't have to do it. But, um, right. but yeah, I always kept your story in my mind. I was like, yep, mind over matter, Caddy. It's like, I'm in a lot of pain. The epidural sounds real good, but do you remember story? <laughs> Well, what's crazy to me is when we get to Mavericks and that I agreed to do it again. <laughs> I don't know. That's I must true. Okay. So we got to get to that point. <laughs> um, to your glutton for punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so they, Josie's uh, coming. Yeah. So they lay me back and they're like, explain to me. Because again, it was first baby. So I think that's what people also don't like think about is the nurse basically has to give you like a crash course and how to deliver a baby. Because even though yeah. I did baby classes and stuff, I was like, I don't know how the timing on all this works. Like you just see people pushing like in movies and stuff, but there's like a, a rhythm to it, a science to it. And so she like is teaching yeah. me that. Right. And this is the night shift nurse that I had the first night. But when I tell you that this woman, she like locked eyes with me and she was like, forget literally everyone else that's in here. We're going to get through this and you're going to have a baby. And all you need to do is look at me. I'm going to cue you. I'm going to count. You're going to relax. And then the next time I'm going to cue you, I'm going to count. You're going to relax. Great. All, all good in thought until I started puking. Oh, no. You forgot about the pain that. medicine in your back or just the labor? <laughs> yeah. Well, they think it was a combination of the medicine going in the wrong places. And then because the epidural came out, then I felt everything so quickly going from a seven to oh. 10 so quickly. Um, right. That my body was just Holy like shit. in shock. <laughs> so, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So then I started puking and my mom said I filled five puke bags during, I pushed right. for 40 minutes. So... All I remember is Ryan was on one side, my mom was on the other, and there was this nurse there with the puke bags. And that poor woman, like, it, I guarantee you she had to shower and change after my delivery because I just, I wouldn't open my eyes. Ryan said it was the weirdest thing. Like, you see in movies, everybody's screaming and having this hysterical time. And he's like, you just closed your eyes and went completely silent. He's like, your room was completely silent other than the blood pressure monitor beeping. Like, it was the weirdest. He was like, you went into this mode of, like, 
nope. I just yeah. totally like centered myself. And so I would take I a drink the same thing. Drink of water. Yeah. I would take water from Ryan. I would push for 10 seconds. I would throw up on that poor nurse. And then by that point, it was time to start the rotation all over again. So, uh, I would throw up on that poor nurse. I mean, good gracious. So, yeah. And, That's going to be the then, title of your podcast. The, whole time, the title of your podcast threw- was going to be. And then I threw up on that poor nurse. That's what the podcast title is going to be. Epidural's gone wrong. I threw up on the porners. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, I pushed for only 40 minutes, and my doctor told me that that was likely because I had so much vomiting. And apparently, fun fact, it's the same muscles to vomit as it is to bear down and push um, in your abdomen. So every time, right. like, I'm supposed to be resting between contractions. I was vomiting, so I was continuously, continuously pushing for basically for that entire time. So she comes out. The funny thing about Josie coming out, which again is so true to her personality, is she came out clutching the cord. Like it took two nurses to get her hand off the cord because it was like, I'm not doing this yet. Like (laughs) I'm I'm not letting go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She would not let go. So they finally oh get her pride apart so that she they can put her on my chest and whatever. And they're checking me and I like start to say, because they're asking me how I feel and, you know, all this stuff. And I start to say, I feel like I'm going to throw up again. Like someone's going to have to take her because I didn't want to like turn and her slide or, you know, everything's so right. wet and yucky at that point. Like I didn't. Yeah. And the nurse, the doctor says, give her some more Zofran. And the nurse is like, well, she's already had it. And it's supposed to be once every eight hours. And he basically said, I don't care. Give her the Zofran. She needs it more than we're worried about overdosing or whatever. And so they instantly gave me more in my IV. And then I felt better after that. But <laughs> just like, good gracious. Well, because I feel like if you just continued that vomiting, like you could pass out at that oh, point. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Like, yeah. Wow. Well, and they also didn't know, like, when I was pushing, actively pushing, my blood pressure was also, I think my mom said it was like two, it topped out at like 264 over 190. And so, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and they just, at that point, the doctor just turned the machine off because he could tell we were close. Like they could see Josie's head at that point. So he was like, yeah. We can make it and get this baby out and not have to do a C-section. Because um, he had asked Who me. Who was your doctor? Uh, Dr. Fleming delivered Josie. I like I liked his mentality there. Yeah. I mean, obviously well, you were safe. He was safe about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. he wasn't going to make you deliver a baby and not be safe. But I feel like he really gave you the chance to get this baby out. Right. Well, and he had asked me and he knew that was my preference because when we had gotten like right before the epidural, we had sat down and had a a real chat and he was like, you know, I don't, it was when he was leaving, like he was still on call for that night or whatever, but they get to leave, I think at like 6 PM or something to go home. And then you, they call if, you know, labor is progressing or whatever. And so he came to check on me right before he left. And he was like, I don't, love your blood pressure but i'm assuming you don't want to go to c-section i was like no 
absolutely not. He was like, okay, then I'm going to let you keep trying to get this baby out. But I'm going to tell you if your blood pressure gets much worse, then we're going to have to do a C-section. And so then it was kind of like when everything hit the fan, we were just like, well, she's close enough now that I'm going to respect those wishes and not take her to an emergency C-section. So, I mean, your baby's head is already like is right there. You know what I mean? Like I feel like a C-section, you'd have to pull her out. Right. Right. Exactly. So I had to stay an extra day or two days. I don't know. We went in on a Tuesday night and didn't get discharged till Saturday. So whatever that ends up to be. Um, And Josie was fine. It was me that they were keeping, but obviously they're not going to discharge Josie without me so they just like kept her also so right right yeah Ugh. so rough. But then, yeah yeah that was rough yeah it was and Josie didn't sleep like Josie still doesn't sleep great but Josie didn't sleep in the hospital like at all and yeah. so it was even after all of that, like, I remember getting home from the hospital and just feeling like I still had had no rest. I was. Yeah, you didn't. I, it was awful. Like, like my two up for three days, four days. Yeah. And then during the day, she would be up screaming all night. And during the day, so many people wanted to come and see her. We're so blessed with a big family. But again, this was pre-COVID, so everyone was coming to visit the baby. And it was like, I wish I would have had more in me to be like, no, I need to take a nap. Yeah. People need to give me space. But um, we were, yeah. Yeah. That is one blessing. But not okay. very many. Yeah. But one blessing of COVID is... Like it just gave it empowered moms to put boundaries up. I mean, because you just blame it on you just blame it on COVID, and they're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, we get it." It's like, yeah, hmm. it just helped it you. Yeah, yeah. It gave you a reason, which in like society and in families, it should be enough of a reason to say, "This is my preference for me and my baby." But oh yeah, it's not always it that way, be. and so yeah. just gave everybody something to blame blame wanting that privacy on so exactly don't let it be a reason now everybody Mm -hmm. listening you set those boundaries absolutely and if you don't like it they don't come they don't see baby that's on them not on you agreed it's your baby agreed in the big scheme of things your time and your rest and recuperation is so much more important and i just wish i would have Like everyone talks about delivering the baby, delivering the baby, getting the baby out. And then there's just not enough talk about after and taking care of your after. And I really struggled with that with Josie. It was really bad. Yeah. You you can elaborate on that if you want. Yeah. So looking back, I think I definitely had postpartum depression with Josie. Um, I never like talked to my doctors about it with her because I just felt like I just went through this big traumatic experience. I have a loving, supportive husband. Like, I don't know. I just had this idea in my head that I wasn't the person that would have postpartum depression. Not allowed. Yeah. Like my life isn't bad, so I can't have it. Like, 
looking back again, it doesn't make any sense, but that was how irrational like I was at that point. And so when Ryan went back to work, which he had like two weeks off, but again, we spent so long in the hospital that by the time we got home, I felt like I didn't have him for very long with her. And again, she didn't sleep. So even when she would nap during the day, even as a newborn, it would be 30, maybe 45 minutes and you had to be holding her. Um, Uh, If not, she would fuss. And even like, I remember everyone saying, take her for a drive in the car. And I would try that and I would just get like so angry. And then I would resent myself so much for being angry at a newborn for crying because I was like, I knew it's not her fault that she's fussy, but I was so emotionally drained and just so angry about things. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely now, and even then I would tell Ryan, like, I understand how people get about their babies. Like I never wanted to hurt my baby, but right. I can understand how that could flip so quickly because there were definitely yeah. moments where I lost my cool and had to walk in the other room and maybe like scream oh, yeah. or want to hit something or, you know, whatever it was. And I never took yeah. that out on her, but I could see where it could happen. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 And it, it feels like almost like we should whisper that. So it's so silly. I have like the same way. There's time, there's times where I've actually like yelled at Ellie. Like, yeah, like, I mean, same- like, why are you just not sleeping and just like yell at and i'm like i didn't like i gotta i gotta go i gotta go so i get i gotta go and it's like it's that fast it's that quick and it's you know and so just knowing yourself like are you one that can like put like like what we were talking about the epidural like mind over matter like is that one that's something you can do and if it's not something you can do then you need to get help and you need to take a break and it's okay to take a break like you can't be a mom 24 7 all day long every day of the year like you have to you have to take care of yourself right right and I think also looking back um I should have been more honest with my doctors and with Ryan because I would act like like when he would get home I would act like seemingly like everything was fine, but also I would try to make it to where like, if there was any way possible to like not be alone with my baby, which is so sad to say now, but like once she started daycare at eight weeks when I went back to work, cause I was instantly like, I want to go back to work. Cause I felt like I needed to get out of that house. Like I yeah. couldn't do it anymore. I just needed to feel like a person again. And so when I went back to work and she went to daycare, you know, I would have Ryan pick her up from daycare so that, and I only had like 20 minutes at home by myself, but I just like couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so I just think looking back again, like I would have been so much better off if I would have just, like I said, been honest with my doctors. But I also think it's crap that, sorry, I keep saying that word, (laughs) like, um, not a bad word. <laughs> Depends who you ask. <laughs> well, children are not uh, listening. It's all adults. I, so I think we're good. <laughs> no, I think it's terrible that you go for one 
whatever, four week, six week postpartum checkup and they ask you a few questions and then they get to determine if you're like doing okay. Like there should be more follow-ups than that because at that point I felt like things were still too fresh that I didn't even know if I was okay at that point. But maybe two or three months in, I would have been able to say, hey, like I'm still not coping. I'm still not adjusted. And again, I just thought like, you're supposed to be exhausted. It's the newborn phase. You're supposed to whatever. And again, after having a second baby, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was struggling so much with Josie. Like, I just want to reach out to that version of myself and be like, it's okay. Like, you're going to do this. And I mean, it was so bad that I didn't want to have any more kids after we had Josie. Um, well, I did it for a long, longest time. Somebody asked me, do you want more babies? And I'm like, please don't ask me that right now. Yeah. Don't ask me that. I and Ryan and I had always said we didn't want to have only children because we both loved having siblings growing up. But I just remember telling him like between the pregnancy and the sickness and the preeclampsia oh, and yeah. the super traumatic labor experience with the epidural. And then the way I felt after, I just remember being like, no, no. Why would I ever do that again? And yeah, we were just starting to come out of things and feel. So then, so Josie was born in August, COVID shut down in March. And then we were home. Um, I was teaching. So then I was just home. My school was doing like paper packet pickups. So I wasn't even doing like e-learning or anything at that point. I was just home with Josie. Brian was working from home. So luckily he was there with me. I mean, there were times he had to be on Zoom or like whatever, but he was there. And so things got a lot better at that point because it was just us three and we were doing, you know, our thing. And um, then that summer, summer of 2020 is when I found out I was pregnant with Maverick. And um, it was right before 4th of July. And so Josie was nine months old and I just remember thinking like two things. First thing was, holy crap. I'm going to choose to say crap. That's not what I said at the moment. But um, like, I don't even know if I want to do this again. But I also knew that like, I conceived of this child naturally with my husband. And then, so then I just got this overwhelming feeling of like, this is what God intended for me. And he knew like, if he didn't do it in that way that I might not have ever trusted myself and my body to have another baby. So almost like, well, ha ha, I have to make it a surprise so that you'll have this second baby. If that makes sense. Like that's how I think. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I got a little bit of chills. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt. Um, looking at the test because it was instantly like in my own head about it. And then just that like wave of it's going to be different. Like this is glad that you got that wave. Yeah. That's important because not everybody gets that. Absolutely. Thank you for being vulnerable and raw and sharing your stories. We really appreciate it for all the other moms out there. So um, thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time. So see you later. See ya.